Record, you bastard! <laughs> Alright, everybody, welcome to Next Planet Over. We had some technical difficulties there. I'm Michael, Josh is on the other side. Hit the record button. I hit it, and it just stood there, and I'm like, uh, right? <laughs> the, uh, this episode, yes, it's been a gap. Alright, people, don't pressure me. Um, and we're going to really get going on this season three. Uh, Josh is here to help out because me and Ron can only do so many episodes. Um, I think this year we've talked about doing uh, Tales of the Crypt for Halloween, which, thank God, is only six episodes for that first season. We can do that, I think. Yes, yes. <laughs> but this episode is the one that we've been discussing for a while now. Is um, basically just... Uh, okay, so it's out of the normal realm. It's not sci-fi, fantasy, or, West, or uh, horror. Oh, it's Western. I just threw it out there. Um, but I think action and Westerns, they because they're, the Westerns are of another time, they feel like a fantasy. It's just it's like that one step beyond what we normally experience. You know, it's not drama and comedy. These are the uh, action fantasies, and I think this should be included. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I mean, yeah. There's a reason they don't really do Western TV shows today. You know. Um, I mean, I understand their reason for it, but I don't understand. Um, now, I, I think I think I think the genre would be very welcome to to audiences. Oh yeah, well, with so much niche stuff, it does seem a surprise that. Yes. I mean, well, yes, we had Hell on Wheels, and we had Deadwood, and Westworld is a hybrid where it's sci-fi and western. Uh, there was Quick Draw, which was a comedy, which is a Western on Hulu. Um, but other than that, it's, it was really sparse for a really long time. It's the 80s revival, I think, that really kicked things up with, you know, uh, Pale Rider, Silverado, Young Guns. And see, those were traditional uh, Westerns. Yeah. You know, and I and I think that's what Hell on Wheels and Deadwood, the, the, to me, those are not at all... Um, traditional in the sense that I think they're I think they were aiming for you know a lot more realism and grittiness and darkness and yeah (laughs) I gotta tell you people praise Deadwood but I could go the rest of my life without ever seeing Ian what's his name same here god his cussing is just like out of control Every every word's a fuck you, and it's just like, man, you know, this is not your daddy's western. Yeah, you know? <laughs> which is, I think, it literally, I was watching with my parents, and my dad was like, wow, that's a lot of the C word, both of them. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of done. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't let, I couldn't let my grandfather watch that with me. You know? No, no. Uh, they tried, uh, of course, in the 80s uh, on television. They had like the Gambler movies and the Desperado series. Uh, there was a short-lived Desperado, Wild Side. The de- now, the Desperado movies were really good. That was yeah, Alex, we're not Alex talking about the uh, Antonio Banderas, we're talking about the Alex MacArthur ones. Yeah, Alex MacArthur, yeah. yeah. They made about five of them? I think so. I think they tried to turn into a TV series, but he wasn't keen on doing that on a weekly basis, which is probably for the best. Really? I mean, why? It's, it's, well, I guess that was a time when they actually did TV, TV movies. Yeah, that's like a dead thing now, isn't it? Unless it's Sci-Fi yeah, Channel, dude, which yeah, Sci-Fi yeah, Channel yeah. doesn't do really that a lot of originals. They just buy previously made content. And they don't even do um, they don't even do a lot of Sci-Fi originals, and yeah. original movies anymore. Weird. Well, I guess you could argue Lifetime and Hallmark are the only only uh, networks that really still do that stuff. But man, I mean, network television uh, 
I mean, Sunday Sunday night at the movies, you know. Yep. Um, and then it was so popular yeah. that Monday was also another TV movie night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember watching uh, Desperado with uh, with my grandpa. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, we yeah, had. He, he, he loved that. that he loved that, that, that show. We had. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Guns of Paradise, aka Paradise, yeah, Guns, when they yeah, decided to toughen yeah. it up. That was uh, was that Lee Horsley? Yeah, it was, and I I watched a little bit of it, and it seems more family drama than action. And like halfway through season two, I think they decide, oh, the ratings are starting to dip. Let's make this more action oriented, which kind of betrays the concept. Right, right. And you had never even well, heard of Wild had... Side, right? The one that I sent you a clip of. Yes, I'd never heard of that. It was never the heard of that at all. it was the very first Touchstone production for television. They did it for ABC. It was only six episodes. And it's very, very hard to find. I bought a bootleg of it like 15 years ago, and it's yeah. I, I tried to find a copy of it, but it, it was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Um, um, but that was 2002. No, that was 1986. Oh wow, that was in the 80s. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. And what was the title of that again? It was called Wild Side. Wild Side, and they, I mean the cast was. Yeah, Tom Berenger, right? Oh, no, no, you're, I'm sorry, you're thinking Peacekeepers, that is 2002, I must have missed you saying that. Oh, okay, okay, so Peacekeepers is what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's the one that's like a CSI in the Old West, and his partner knows Kung Fu, that's like definitely of that era, I'm surprised they didn't play techno music instead of Western right. music. Right, <laughs> right. Now, what, which one is Wild Side? Wild Side is the one where it has William Smith, you know, Conan's dad, and uh, Eddie Peck from um, Dangerously Close, and Curse Two, uh, who's the guy that's in, in the Heat of the Night? Henry Howard Rollins or something like that. Okay, okay. It, it's just a okay. bunch of tough guys, and they get together to save this town. It's one of the very first things that Meg Ryan was in, and it's it's entertaining, but it's very repetitive. I can I can kind of see why it got canceled. Okay, I haven't even tried to look for that. One. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, like I the tried, A Team in the Old West. Okay, I tried to look for Peacekeepers. I couldn't couldn't find that one either. Um, they're just such, you know, the the, the 80s and 90s, I, I feel, were, you know, they had the best Westerns. Oh, yeah. Well, we Briscoe County Jr. Briscoe County Jr., yeah. One of my favorites, all-time favorites. Uh, but, um, you know, magnificent, you know, going into Magnificent Seven, I mean, I, I feel like um, that was really one of the last. And at the time, that was that was aired on Showtime. Am I right? Uh, no, CBS, actually. It, it oh, feels it, it feels like a Showtime show because those guys, I believe, uh, Densham and Watson, who did the Robin Hood movie, they had a deal with Showtime for a, a while, and they were doing MGM productions. They had like you know the Stargate TV show over there and Outer Limits, so it makes sense that that uh, Magnificent Seven feels like a Showtime. But no, it was on CBS. Okay, so it was network network TV. Okay. It's so expensive. I can't imagine they doing this doing this for cable back then like now it doesn't even they know what bats and i it's spending 10 million dollars an episode but as much as this is character oriented um there is no skimping on the action not at all and i mean the the the, the cast i mean my god you had michael Bean, you had ron perlman you had um eric close you had gail mckiff that his name Dale yep McKiff. from pet cemetery from Pet Cemetery, and then you had—I forget his name—but he, the, the brilliant character actor who played Ezra, who you don't get to see much of him. Oh God! Uh, hold on a sec. Ezra is the fancy lad, right? From um, yeah, 
Yeah, okay, it, so... It that really, really... Uh, it's Anthony Stark. Uh, Anthony Stark, man. What a... I mean, he nailed that role. Oh, that totally. Role. I mean, that, that accent that he had, I mean... <laughs> I mean, he had the best dialogue in that show. Um, you know, he, he had to throw out $5 words every, every, time, <laughs> every time he said something. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, he uh, he was in a lot of, like, like, I saw him on an episode of The Flash. He was he was the, the ghost. Right, a great from, episode. Uh, the, the 50s, great episode. Yeah. Um, he, he was in a lot of stuff in the 90s, um, but I, I don't see him much anymore. Um, no, he's still, his IMDb is still filled with it. You know, the thing is, there's 9,000 shows a year now, and it's really hard to keep track of who's in what anymore. I find out about shows that are on for five years, and I'm like, I've never even heard of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, oh, he was on MacGyver, two episodes. He was in All of Hand of God uh, with Ron Perlman. Um Couple Hallmark movies, Mad Men, yeah. So he's still around. Oh, so he's still he's still working. Yep. Okay. Wow, he's okay. in a TV show called Make It or Break It. It was on for thirty five episodes. Never even heard of it. Oh, <laughs> Isn't wow. that so terrible? He's, he's doing. He, he did three, two or three seasons of a show, and we didn't even know. It. Oh, it's a Family okay. Channel movie about gymnastics. There's no way I'm going to watch that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But you know, um, we know him. You know, he was in uh, uh, License to Kill, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. I think he was in a few. License to Kill. That's that's what he. That's what I remember. He was um, he was the, one of the bad guys who right. Robert Dobby blew away. That's right. That's he right. Uh, he's on Facebook and uh, I talked to him every once in a blue moon and he um, he still posts. He does kung fu. All, I mean, not kung fu, kickboxing all the time. He's like fifty five really? and still just doing these jump kicks. Wow. Dude, but have wow. you ever seen him do this stuff on film? No. <laughs> I mean. He's, yeah, I'm just surprised he never had his own series. I mean, he, he um, God, we should have brought him on the show. We should, yeah, we I, I should was, have interviewed him. I was going to you do know? this immediately after The Flash, but it just took me so long to get around to doing this. I just kind of held off from doing it. But maybe, uh, maybe down the road, I'll let I'll give him a heads up, and if he wants to chat with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. We gotta start bringing on some uh, special guest stars. You know? He was on Nowhere to Run. Maybe he did some martial arts there against Van Damme. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie forever. He, he was in Nowhere to Run. Yeah, that's the, kind of like one was of the he, forgotten Van Damme movies from that was era. Was he one of Was he one of the bad guys? Had a. It's just I'm pretty sure because I only remember uh, the sheriff and Van Damme and being on the good side. Everybody else was on the corrupt side. Yeah, the sheriff was like the guy from. The, the teacher from Saved by the Bell. I mean, you know, it's so amazing how back then, you know, you could just get cast in a studio movie out of, you know, just <laughs> just out of nowhere. I yeah. mean, it's it's amazing, and and I mean, it, it's so it's so strange to me that, you know, I was an actor in the '90s, and and I mean, so many people. I mean, that was just their lives. I mean, everything just I mean, you're, you know, the, the Every every everything that you had, you know, I mean, you know, your 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 son rose and set to it, you know, and then today it's like some of these people, you know, that I that I come across that I haven't seen in so long. I mean, they're real estate agents now, or they're bartenders, you know, career bartenders. Now. Right. Here's a, that's the thing that people don't get, and I hate it when they mock people when they can't get the work anymore. It's a job. Yes, it's, it's a higher a job, exposure, uh, you know, there's a different level to how the world sees you, but you, 
most of the people in Hollywood are not elitist. They're blue collar. Yeah. They're the ones putting together. They're just trying to work and pay their bills just like everybody else. It's a job, and when the phone stops ringing, it stops ringing. Yeah, you got to be ready to pivot. You know, That's all there is to it. I mean, there's. I have a couple of really good friends who had their own TV series and, I mean, starred in their own network television series, and you know, did guest stars and did soap operas and did movies, and they're working, you know, you know, public service jobs. I mean, they're they're civil servant jobs. I mean, they're, you know. They're no different than anybody else. Yeah. You know, and it's surreal. It's surreal to see that. I mean, it's 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 very um, it's very humbling and, and eye opening, you know. Well, I mean you bring that up, but I, I'm the one character that we don't see anymore, um, is J D, played by Andrew Co- I'm not gonna say it right, Kavivit. Uh, I looked at his IMDb and he basically retired after this. He did like one or two more things and then he was done. Maybe it sometimes it just doesn't it's something you don't want to do. Like, remember Jake from uh, uh, 16 Candles? He decided just to go do, you know, make furniture instead of being an actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's there's those that just don't like it and don't want to be a part of it. Or it was something that they were just kind of forced into doing or fell into doing. And then there's those who live for it and it just stops. You know, um, just can't cast anymore and... They don't know what to do with their lives, you know. I, th- I think, uh, you know, sadly, Corey Haim was was one of those people. I mean, he, uh, you know, he, he was he was you know he was on TV and in, in, in movies from such an early age that you know he had no identity without it. Right. You know, um, and I think that happens to more child actors, you know, than. You know, but it, it happens to adult actors as well. It, it, yeah, it, not to get too Great. dark on this one, but um, the last person I want to mention before we jump into the thing I want to talk about is um, uh, Rick Worthy also played Nathan, who um, Master of the Knives yeah. and Doctor, and he's he, great. Doctor, yeah. I thought he walked away. It turns out he's just been doing a bunch of shows that I haven't seen, which means I'm really falling behind. <laughs> oh, so, so I was going to ask. He's, he's still around. Oh, yeah. He, he's uh, Man in the High Castle and Magicians. He is a regular on both. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. So he's, he's doing fine. Uh, but he's Michael doing, Bean... He was great. He was great on, on the show. Yeah. Do you think it's strange for Michael Bean? This is kind of like that turning point in his career where he wasn't even doing supporting roles in like major films. Because I think he had just come off of like uh, Jade and The Rock and stuff like that. And this is when he started doing the direct-to-video movies and he went to television, that must be kind of strange. I mean, it happens to almost every actor. They have a dipping point. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they can't. I really thought he was going to come back with Grindhouse. And in a way, it did because he decided to take control of his career. He started producing and directing his own stuff. But it was lower budget stuff. So, I mean, get told what to do, constantly compromise, or do exactly what you want to do. Yeah, he partnered up with his wife, and they started uh, a production company and started doing really low-budget uh, films, and I, I think they did quite a few of them. Um, some, I don't believe, ever made it to release, um, but I think I think he was to a point where he just wanted to have control over his, his own, you know, universe, so to speak. Yeah. Because, um, you know... After Magnificent Seven, he did 
Adventure Inc., which was a great show, but it was in the vein of the. It was still. It was. It was. It was one of the last late night television shows. One of the syndicated, yeah, originals. That, that the two thousands is kind of when it died off. Yeah, when it died off, um, along with um, you know like Sheena, um, with with John Allen Nelson. Yeah. Who, who actually? Who actually know is he's a great guy. Um, he is. I'm actually watching that right now. Um, that and oh. Relic Hunter. That was like oh a, wow yeah and I was gonna say Relic Hunter with with Tia Carrera yeah, yeah. what were yeah, the other ones the there last, was the Beastmaster show was great the Beastmaster yeah were, those were the last of the of the dying of the late night TV I mean that was it was it was so great having those around I mean you know you, I mean, they never never in a million years do that stuff today but I mean it's you were you know they would come on CBS at, you know. After the news, or yeah, it was. Well, it seemed like it was always something that was supposed to go up against SNL on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, those were. I mean, budgets were. I mean, those shows had budgets. I mean, oh they yeah, had, they had. I mean, they were very, very well produced. Um, and uh, but but Dan did that one, and then he did a very he did a very short lived. I guess they tried to do a version of Hawaii Five O in the early two thousands. Or maybe it was 2003 or four, and he did once. I don't even think it made it a full season. No, it was. So I, I, I want to say it was because Vegas was so red hot at NBC. They started uh, greenlighting shows that were centered around a certain location. Like so, his was Hawaii, and then they did LAX with Heather Locklear and stuff like that. And none were as successful as Vegas. Yeah, and that was just kind of that was the big shift in television. I, mean, I think CSI had a very profound effect on tv because everything started looking like it yeah i don't you know? like procedurals at all and it seems like that's all there is now i want to see um adventure yeah and the good the, the morality shows the good guys versus bad guys I and mean, that was kind of when it all in um early 2000s and um, but that was back you know that was that was being's last kind of network hurrah and um, and that's when he I guess he really started going into the direct-to-video world. And yeah. He went into, you know, and then he did, you know, he still did Grindhouse. And, and um, but he was pretty prominently kind of stuck in the direct-to-video world from that point on, I think. But um, I do want to say how amazing it is that they were able, okay, so usually shows like this would pay all the big money to someone like Michael Bean, But then they ponied up. Because at the time, Dale Midkiff had just come off of Time Tracks. Uh, Anthony Stark was still around in, in a lot of like studio stuff. Ron Perlman, of course. They did not skimp on this. And it, it's amazing that it lasted even as long as it did. I guess there was a fan write-in uh, to save it. To, so that's why there was a second season. I caught it um, in reruns that my grandfather taped off of like uh, some Western station. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Well, you know that was back. That was back when they were still spending money. You know, and they were. I mean, things were things were still good. I mean, money was still flowing, and there was still plenty of work to go around for everybody. And um, and Bean was, you know, as Chris Larrabee, he was great on that show. I mean, I loved his character. Yeah, well, it's um, so you know, different than the other Chris's. I, it's his yeah, seems well, very dark and edgy. Yeah, he was very dark. He was very dark and brooding and. One thing that I just really loved about that show is it was almost like every character could have its own show, you know? They could have their own show. They could have their own, I mean, I mean, spinoffs could have been done, you know? Oh, totally. Well, and the nice part is is that they did, since it's such a big cast, 
you can exhaust people in these kind of shows. That's, I mean, that's the curse of Buffy is that she had to do kung fu constantly and she was exhausted. But you give yeah. everybody a week off. You only have to show up for one day and then the rest of them get to focus. You know, they get to move the focus. So uh, it's kind of like that way with young writers too, where there's such a big cast, there's more stories to tell. Yeah, see, I don't remember young writers all that well. I know Josh Brolin was in it. Um, I, I guess I need to watch that. I'm so, knee deep I in it right it, now, and it's it, absolutely amazing. Is it on? Is it on DVD? Yeah, I bought it. Um, well, it's weird. Okay, so Shout Factory owns like a lower budget company called uh, TGG. I think Timeless, something like Timeless Media something i don't know um and i'll send you a link for it but uh they packaged all three seasons up for a budget price like i think i got i it's like for christmas i got it for like 10 bucks a season um here's the weirdest thing season two is missing eight episodes i can't imagine why there's no song rights to fight with so what's the deal or usually they just change the song yeah i mean they did that with wise guy they dumped a bunch of episodes because there was a whole arc where they used licensed music um but I can't imagine what they do in Young Riders. They start playing Bon Jovi. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously that was kind of a riff on Young Guns. Yeah, and people say it's a rip off though, and it's not. It just happens to be, hey, this was successful. Let's try to find something in that same like teen-oriented genre, and but they're t- different spirits completely. Yeah. See, I, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I think I think what. Uh, um, I just finished writing a Western, and um, it was so challenging because, you know, Westerns, to, I mean, and I really wonder, you know, I really wonder if, if people are going to be able to, I mean, it's, I, I tried to go a lot darker and grittier with it, you know, than, than just the normal traditional Western, but um, it's challenging because you don't really know how people are going to take to a more, you know, familiar uh, Western, you know, um, in, in a world where everything's just so based on realism, and, and uh, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be interesting. But I mean, I, I I don't remember the last Western TV show we've had outside of what we talked about. Yeah, well, nothing that's the classic style Western. When people talk about Silverado, some people mock it as that it's too blockbustery, and I'm like, yeah. That's why I like it. It was a, a refresher from Western the grossness world. of the Italian. I mean, I like some Italian westerns, but they all felt so I meant to feel miserable or something by the end. Well, you know, I, I thought it was it was a great western movie was Three Ten to Yuma with um, Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. I yeah. thought that was very on the you know that was that was on par with you know all the westerns we grew up watching. You know. Um, but that was the last one that I really... Yeah. Well, I think the problem is there's a lot of direct-to-video ones, and they usually grab one or two names that you kind of recognize, like Trace Atkins and stuff like that. But then they shoot it up in Canada, and it's muddy, and, and it, it's, it doesn't look like the Westerns Man, know. those, those direct-to-video Westerns, and that's kind of what I just wrote. I mean, they're just killing it. On, I mean, they're... I mean, the buyers want them, you know? Um and they, I mean, they sell at Walmart, like... Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. but they're always tighter budget. Even the studio releases, like, okay, so Appaloosa, you know, had two big names in it. No, three big names. Renee Zellweger, Ed Harris, and um, Vigo. And um, the budget was, like, $20 million because there's, a, a like, I guess a, um, a ceiling on how much those movies usually make. So the budgets always had to be, like, under $30 million. Right, right. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I think... 
I think if I'm not mistaken, like uh, uh, Silverado was like 20. Yeah, 25 at the time, and it was considered a flop because it only made 32. Uh, I think Pale Rider was the only real successful one that was a decent budget, but even he's notorious for having tight budgets on his film. He's just like, shoot it, don't go. You know, that's just what I don't understand. I mean, you look at the 50s and 60s, it was all Western shows. Oh, yeah, and sprawling. In in the 70s, you kind of got into the science fiction genre, and, um, but I mean, all there was in the 50s and 60s was Westerns, and then you look at, you know, somebody like Clint Eastwood, I mean, that was his career, was Westerns. I mean, you look at The Unforgiven, you know, um, you look at Robert Duvall, Lonesome Dove, I mean, it's, it's, I, I just have to think that there, there has to be some desire, at least from the demographic of, of what, 35 and up? Yeah, like a sprawling epic. Yeah, right, right. I mean, at least, at least, you know, it's not a TV series, then at least some kind of epic western like Open Range. Oh, know? totally. Have you ever heard of, you know the movie How the West is One. Did you know there was a TV show of it? I didn't know there was a TV show. I no. just started watching it. I can't believe how much money they were spending on it. It's, uh, it lasted three seasons. Each episode is so wildly variant. I think this is what screwed the show. Some episodes are an hour and a half. I am watching an episode that is three and a half hours. Literally, it must have been Sunday nights. It must have started at 7 o'clock and went till 11 o'clock in the news. It's so long. It's James Arness and Bruce Boxleitner, and it's just this huge, huge epic. Every week. What what decade is this? Uh, It's 78 to, I think, I'm going to say actually it started in 77 and then went to the very end of 79 because I know that he went on to do Gambler like immediately after that. Right, right. The Gambler, that was with... uh, uh, Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers Roasters, yeah. (laughs) Rogers, oh man, wow, that takes me back. (laughs) Yeah, I think also. Dean Cain do a gambling movie? Yeah, who Dean Cain? I don't know. I remember there was. um, Do you remember kind of like a resurgence in the in the mid nineties? I don't remember him being in any of those. All I know is that they seem to be on Hallmark Channel every once in a while, and they always seem to have... Oh, I'm sure. I miss I'm the sure. Luke Perry ones. The Good Night for Justice series was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Good Night for Justice. That, those were great. And, I mean, that's that's what's interesting, too, is that uh, Hallmark doesn't even go anymore. Well, they skew older. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I mean, well, I guess they... I guess Kevin Sorbo had a few uh, Westerns, but I... Uh, I'm not the biggest Kevin Sorbo. Yeah, player. less said the better. Yeah. Uh, he but was at the combo convention Sorbo we just went to, and I decided not to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm not, uh, you know, hey, I, I, I'll admit I loved uh, Hercules, the legendary Germans, but um, his his personality and his, his politics just uh, really steer me steer me the wrong yeah. way. So uh, We only have... Um, we only have a few minutes left. Real quickly, I just want to say about Magnificent Seven. Uh, we also didn't mention Laurie Holden, who most people now know from the first few seasons of Walking Dead, The Mist, lots of Frank Darabont stuff. Gosh, she was fantastic. That, that was her from The Walking Dead. I did not even put that together. Yeah, and I also love the wow. fact that every week they would have a decent. Like, that's it's like classic Hollywood when they have the rotating actor of the week. Like, oh, Brian James. Uh, what was read read from uh, that '70s show? You know, RoboCop. Um, Tim Thomerson did a guest. Yeah, he was in there, and of course they have one of the classics. Uh, uh, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Thank you. 
Uh, why? But my brain's going. He was in the original Magnificent Seven. Uh, the Man from Uncle. Oh yeah, Robert Vaughn. Yeah, Robert Vaughn. Yeah, that was a great yeah, throwback to the original movie. Yeah, he played the judge, right? Yeah. Hey, what did you think of the yeah. remake? Of um, Magnificent Seven with Denzel. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was a little too polished. I thought it was a little too. I don't know. I mean, I I, I thought this, I thought the '90s series, series blew it away. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I loved I loved Denzel. I loved Chris Pratt. I loved the cast. Um, it was well done. I just there was something too big budget. The, the fact just, that yeah, it was just too yeah too big budget and and too. Um, I just don't think it was long enough. And I mean, I you know. That's a that's a hard it's a hard thing bringing seven people together and and making it work. Yeah, you know? imagine the original movies where they had to do it three more times. It was so right. like okay, got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it just didn't. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, and the thing is, is I was very excited about it. And wanted to love it, um, but and I'm glad they did it. You know, I mean, and obviously the only reason they were able to pull it off is because. It, that cast and Denzel Washington, but um, who I think was um, way too old for that role. When you when you find out about his backstory with Peter Sarsgaard being the guy who killed him, I was like, well, no, wait a minute, is Peter Sarsgaard supposed to be older than you? Because that doesn't work. <laughs> but so you know, he, he's just so good in everything he does. I mean, I just I really you know, I'd never seen him as a gunfighter before. Yeah. So I thought it was. I thought that was. I thought that aspect was. Really cool. I thought um, Ethan Hawke was almost, basically stole the movie. Yeah, Ethan Hawke was great. Um, I mean, I thought Anthony Stark. I mean, I gotta say, he, he, he. I mean, and maybe he. I guess he had more of an opportunity, but I, I thought Anthony Stark pulled off a, uh, a better Ezra. Oh yeah, well he is know? the MVP of the series by far. I yeah. mean, everybody's fine. Yeah. Everybody's fine. But when him and I'll say Dell Midkiff's a lot of fun too, especially when you find out he like is, his childhood when he talks about how his mother was a prostitute and that's how he was raised. And he goes, uh, the kid, JD, says, your mother was a whore? And he goes, no, my mother was a saint. And I was like, that's a hell of a moment. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those two guys together, they had a great, they had great chemistry together, you know, um, that they were buddies. And, and I loved it when Dale Mitchell got mad. It yeah. was hilarious. Because it was also um, grounded in a believable, like, it wasn't like he was a fireball when he got mad. Right. You're like, no, I, I would totally get that. Yeah, I, I would do it too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, but you know, um, I mean, I don't know, the stories were just very well done, they were very well told, um, the, it, was, it was never boring, and, you know, one of the, one thing that I did notice was season two was a little bit different. Yeah, I, I kind of um, lost interest a little bit in season two, I, it was a little bit of a struggle to finish that season. And I don't know why, it was, it, it's, it's just, and then they ended it like they knew they were ending the show. Sometimes that's for the best. I almost well, yeah. I mean, I'm just surprised. Yeah. I guess they got. I guess they got noticed. That they were, they weren't coming back for the third season when they decided to end it. But, um, but yeah, by the end, it just didn't have the same feel of the first season. Right. Well, and it could also change writers. That's a, a big thing that I think alters a TV show. If you lose a, not even like your head writer, but if you lose anybody on your staff. There's a switch in tone, and sometimes it can be good, sometimes it can be bad. It could be like Heroes, where season two is an absolute disaster. <laughs> Gosh, man, talk about jumping shark. Oof, immediately. Yeah. You expect that to happen around season three or four, but no. Immediately. I mean, I've been, I binge-watched Heroes season one. Like, I mean, I, I, I mean, that was so 
then by season two, I was like, I don't even care to watch this. No, no. So sometimes it's almost good that Magnificent Seven ended. You enjoy yeah. what you had of it. Sometimes I want a right. show to go away, and it won't. And then it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But I still wonder. I still have to wonder what Briscoe season two would have been. I do, but I also was kind of annoyed that they were cutting the budget and they decided to take out the sci-fi element, and that's why I was such a huge fan. Like, the first chunk with John Bly, to me, is more interesting than the second half, even though there's a lot of goofy adventure stuff. Um, I prefer the sci-fi element. Yeah, it did. It made a difference. But I still like, I still like the... Uh... You know uh, how they were under how they were undercovering or uh, yeah. service agents, and you know they they get into uh, an adventure with with ninjas, and they get a, into a, <laughs> they, they did a horror episode, and they did the a, the, the motorcycle you know, episode, the motorcycle the motorcycle episode. I mean that was great, you know. Now, have uh, you ever seen a TV show called Legend with Richard Dean Anderson that lasted thirteen episodes? You know, I saw. Um, I saw. I haven't seen the show, but I, I have. I did, I know of its existence. It's uh, it's one of those budget titles from Mill Creek. We can get it for like five bucks. Uh, totally worth right. it. Yeah, it's one Is of those really licensed. Okay, I was gonna say I didn't know if it would be any fun or not. It's it's um, nowhere nearly as good as Briscoe County Junior, but it has this weird element of you know that the sci-fi meets western combination where he is a um uh what do you call it you know where they make up the adventures they try to sell them they they build up the mythos of a hero and he pretends to be the hero at the same time and that kind of gets him into trouble then he has john delancey from star trek who played q he is a local Uh uh crazy like einstein kind of scientist who makes up all of these gadgets well, he teams up with Richard Dean Anderson when it's time for him to be a hero, and he gives him all these crazy gadgets to fight bad guys with. Since he's not really a gunfighter, and he's you know he can't really take care of himself, so he they make up this character to become a legend. Okay, okay. How many uh, how many episodes? Just thirteen. It was one of those 13. early UPN where UPN was just trying to get anything on their channel. Oh, to UPN compete. was great, man. Don't knock UPN. That was good times. <laughs> yeah, well, I I love the frontier of. The WB and UPN and uh, the last days of syndication because they were just like, what crazy idea do we have? Let's go with that. Oh, my God. Superforce? Just... Superforce wouldn't exist anywhere else. <laughs> Superforce, man. They, I mean, that was, that, was, that was legendary. I mean, Superboy right after it, you know. I mean, they, then they were doing all these, like, made-for-TV alien sci-fi movies. Yeah. And... Did, I, did I tell you that I uh, did the weird – I went to the weird science panel last week and I mm. ran into – um, Ellen Michael Smith from Weird Science, who was also on Superboy. No way. And I kept, no ex- now, I kept expecting I them. A, What's I that? heard he was a teacher now. He is a teacher, and he's also – there's only like 10 people in the country that specify like in his major, which was uh, uh, mythological lit- literature or something like that. Like, uh, you know, his uh, literature like Beowulf, stuff in the you know, way pack. There's only yeah. about ten people in the country that do it, and the other person that is in the Hollywood business that does it is Peter Weller. Get out of here! Yep, he wow. was talking about that. But I thought about, oh man, someone's going to bring up Superboy. I don't know how that's going to go, and no one did. Here's the thing that dep- depresses me to no end. It's the big closing panel. I thought that it was going to be packed, and that there's going to be tons of questions. And uh, well, no, there's about 150. You were, you were just up there having a conversation. With um, actually, I was, uh, because no one was getting in line. <laughs> Here's the thing is, I had so much coffee that I was shaking, 
And I wanted to ask a question, but I couldn't calm myself down because I was nervous about asking them a question. So I get up there, I'm sweating, I'm shaking uncontrollably, and I don't want anybody to notice it. And it looks like I have, I'm having a nervous breakdown. And I ask, I ask Kelly LeBrock what it was like to work with Gene Wilder and um, Gilda Radner. So she answered that. And uh, then I said to uh, Ellen Michael Smith, I said that the chocolate war was very important to me growing up. It taught me about rebelling against like a corrupt system. And I'm so grateful that you guys made that movie. And he said, thank you very much. And then for some reason, I looked at Anthony Michael Hall and I go, I just want to let you know that Out of Bounds is fucking rad. And I can't believe it's so hard to find because the world should discover it. And he was taken aback and then very grateful. And then I was like, okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Just sweat. Just Island sweat. Mitchell Smith. Gosh, Superboy. That's crazy. He was Andy McKay. He was Andy McAllister. Yeah, which I think didn't he only do part of the show? No, well, yeah, he, well, he did a couple seasons. Yeah, I really yeah, wanted to like that show. I just, it's so low budget. It, and it was so cheap. It yeah. was so cheap. There was one episode where he fought a werewolf. <laughs> I think I remember that one. <laughs> it was hilarious. Didn't he fight Dracula in another one too? That's he fought Dracula. I mean, I love the creativity and the imagination of it, but it just. And, but, you know, I mean, the, it was obvious they were either on the Universal lot. Oh, yeah, the one in Florida just, is where they shot it. Yeah, one in Florida. Or they were just out in the glades somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't have that Metropolis feel to it. The biggest know? name they had was Gilbert Godfrey as Mr. I think he played Mr. Yeah. Mitchell. No, 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 no. He didn't play yeah, Mr. Mitchell play until later. He uh, played, like, the Toy Master or something like that. The toy, yeah, the Toy Master. Well, and then, uh, of course, Philip Michael Thomas. Get started on an episode of Superboy. Wow, those two, him and Don Johnson, went wildly different directions, didn't they? They did, man. And now Nash Bridges is coming back. Yeah. So I'm very happy. I'm very happy about that. What, Walker Texas Ranger but, just got announced as a reboot with yeah, Jared Kaladecki? <laughs> I mean, you know, I like Jared, and I I, I think that, uh, you know, there's fun to be had in the new, in the new Magnum PI show. Um, it's, it's something to have in the background, but I mean, it's. Again, I just don't understand why they have to why they have to why why they can't just make their own shows. Yeah, it's just the search for IPs. That's what it is now. I mean, then, of course, it's, it's so, the ones so... people are talking about though are things like Stranger Things, you know, uh, Miss Maisie, uh, Dirtbag. You know, it's the original content that people are talking about. Yeah, it's like I just don't understand what they don't understand. Yeah, I don't it's know like anybody no... who goes, "Hey, you guys, ready for the new episode of that Hawaii Five O? Nobody says that, but you know. Nobody says that. Yeah, I mean, I get it that, that it's it's tailored towards older people, and that's why they put them on Friday and Saturday nights. But yeah. it's like, man, they even they don't like the reboot factor, you know. There's no I mustache on that there. <laughs> you're, you're doing it. You're doing a Texas Ranger show. Fine, call it Texas Ranger. You know, don't don't reboot Walker. You yeah, know? I don't get why Jerry Paldecki. I That's the thing that throws me off. I'm like, don't you want a guy that's kind of like a Chuck Norris kind of guy that's just better actor, maybe? I mean, does Jerry, does he know martial arts? Or yeah, that's what I'm confused by. Arts? They're probably just, I'll bet, you know what, I'll bet you just, they just dropped the whole martial arts in general. Oh, it's going to be a procedure, which, isn't which, it? Which is, which is just in, incompetent because that's what made Walker so great. Yeah. Fight. The only remake that I was ever down for was the Rockford Files when they were talking about Jason Lee as Rockford. And then they ditched that and they went with Dermot Mulroney and then, <coughs> then the pilot just went nowhere. 
Well, it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, at least Nash, I mean, it's coming back as Nash. Yeah, it's totally. Continuation. Now, I don't know what kind of show it's going to be. It's probably going to be super fucking dark, you know? No, no, you know? I can't imagine. I bet you it's going to be on USA. And it's it's going to be lighter, and it's going to be uh, kind of relief from the darker stuff on cable. It has I, to have so. the yin and yang. I hope so. I mean, it's, and I hope they bring back, you know, Cheech Marin and some of the original characters. Yeah, Nick Gomez and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I don't know. It's an exciting time. It's like I'm happy to see some of this older stuff coming back, but I just don't. I don't want the way they're going about it. It's just, um, you know, they just they've got to stop with this reboot stuff. Yeah, Battlestar Galactica worked when they rebooted it. Don't do it again, please. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to live in the in the in the you know with, the, with that ghost, you know. Yeah. I say fix what had a great concept, but a terrible ex- or not a terrible execution, but the ex- execution that just didn't go the way that you think it should have. Like yeah, Master Universe makes sense. Own, remake Master Universe because that didn't go right, but don't remake a classic like something that was perfect the way it was. But you know, it's like for Magnum, for example, all they had to do was have a private eye guest star on a few episodes of Hawaii Five O, spin it off, you know, call it, you know, whatever. And you'd have, you know, you'd have a great, you know, a nice little uh, spinoff TV show. Right. But, Young Higgins. You know, the early years. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to make Higgins a girl and we're going to, you know, have some guy that has <laughs> has nothing top selling about him, you know? Yeah. Um, and let's, let's let the listeners know right now we have no problem with women or uh, people who aren't white starring in these shows in any way whatsoever. We're pretty super. No, liberal. no, no, not at all. I mean, they're, they're, they're fine and they're doing their jobs, but it's, it's. I don't know. It's just like if, if, if that had just been the cast, you know, and they had played different characters, um, you know, I, you, you know, you understand what I'm saying. Oh, right? totally. Like, yeah, yeah. Hawaiian I PI. Would, oh, there. We make a show that people kind of know that has a solid concept. That yeah. But also, it's Hawaiian Eye. You, have, you, Do you have remember that familiar Richard? concept? Yeah. Yeah. You have a familiar concept, but you just don't call it Magnum PI. Yeah. You know. It's it's very it's a very it's very simple. I mean, I just don't understand why why they don't get it. I mean, I, I just I almost just think that it, it hurts you from the get go. You know. All right. You so know, I, I know I you only that, want to go a half hour. We're at forty five minutes. I don't know if you're late. Oh wow, cool, great. I was I was I was. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was hoping we had enough time. Oh, no, we've had. I should have told you a while ago. I was like, do I cut him off? I don't know. Are you late for anything? Because I hope I didn't screw it no, up. No, no. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was making sure we had enough to talk about. Oh, no. Yeah, I was going to say, we're this is, we're going to do Young Writers next. Not you and I, but me and someone else. And we're going to slap cool. these two together for a big mega episode. Um, but before we go, um, got anything you want to pitch? Pitch? I don't know. Come on. what pitch. If you like Westerns. And you like werewolf movies. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. There's this little movie called High Moon, and it was released in July. And it's a dark fantasy werewolf film starring uh, Chad Michael Collins and Sean Patrick Flannery. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go buy it immediately. It's at Walmart or Best Buy, or you can buy it on Amazon or iTunes. And... Yours truly wrote and directed it. So there's my shameless plug. <laughs> Not shameless. For, <laughs> Come for on. High, high Moon. For uh, High Moon. 
the movie, the, the title they changed on me. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I almost said the original tala, uh, title, Howlers. Well, it's so funny because on, on the Target website, they call it Howlers. That's not confusing and for then, anybody. <laughs> and, then on IMD, and then on IMDb, it's called Howlers. You know, it's like, guys, come on. Yeah. You know, if you're going to change it, you know, erase Howlers from existence. Do you remember the guy who bitched and said they wasted like fifteen million dollars on this movie? I was like, no, they did not. <laughs> what what guy was this? Do you remember I had to go into IMDb and actually debate with them and say that they're giving out false information because oh, it was actually categorized. Your budget was fifteen million. When I don't even know if it was one. What you did with what you had is amazing. Why? Well, I, I kind of remember that. <laughs> oh no 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 yeah because somebody kept putting the budget at like yeah you're right you're right now how could anybody look at that movie and say it was 15 million dollars yeah well i think literally the review was like how did they where did they spend the money they didn't spend it on the film someone must have smuggled the money i was like no nobody did that <laughs> hey hey i want to know where that money is. yeah i'll just say because <laughs> you know? it's not here <laughs> All right, and hopefully in the future we get to talk about the Western you're writing right now, and uh, yes, you probably can't yes, talk about the other it. projects you've been digging around with. Can you? No. What about the one you do with uh, have, Chad? Well, we have we have some announcements coming. So okay. We're, we, we've been hard at work, and uh, we, we, we'll have some press releases uh, here pretty soon, and um, I'm putting together another another little movie to direct. And, uh, cool. Yeah, man, things, things are... Uh, it's business as usual around here. So, yep. And we are fully into season three right now. So hopefully we'll have updates with the next episode where we discuss the first six episodes of Tales from the Crypt for its thirtieth anniversary and uh, grab a few episodes uh, with you later in the year. I'm sure we can find something off the ball and goofy. Oh, we'll Nolan. find something. We always do. There's one that I've always wanted to talk about. It's hard plan. A hard time on planet Earth. Oh Martin my gosh! Cove. Of course, Martin Cove. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's such yes. such obscure shows that need to be rediscovered, and most of the stuff's on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I have, I have, I have gifts of those actually. Yeah, well, that whole set we talked, oh, dude, we talked that whole set that you bought. I gotta get that because it had yeah, like uh, not the, we'll talk about it later, but Super Force and Special Deadly Unit Games. Two and yeah, stuff like that. There's a whole bunch yeah. of Powers of Matthew Star. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody, yeah, check us out on Facebook. Um, he's under Josh Ridgeway. You're on Twitter under uh, I can't remember. What do you want to Twitter? Twitter. Oh, okay. Eh, yeah. There you go. Uh, we're yeah. under Video Night and uh, on uh, uh, Twitter as well under Michael. Uh, I think I think it's right now. It's Michael. Fucked this up again. Is my handle? Uh, of course. <laughs> I change it all the time. It's not probably not a good idea. It makes it hard for people to find me. Um, but everybody, have a good night and thank you for enjoying the show. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye.